Welcome back to the Pilgrims Podcast. My name's Archie. Joining me this week is Alex Hine, Chris Allen, Tom Kirk, and Mark Lovell. All right, before we get into full um, misery mode, Chris, we have an exciting announcement, don't we? Yeah. We've got a sponsor. Wow. Everybody know that? We've got a sponsor. Found so we course. need to say a massive thank you to Swaz. S-W-A-Z or Z, depending on where in the world you are listening to this. Also, for being the most Plymouth-sounding word, it's impossible to say it without a long A, isn't it? Swaz. Let's tell you a little bit about what Swaz do. If I, if I got any more information than this, I'd have to read it. But bear with me a second. I think I remember that Swaz are a world-leading producer of top-tier custom-made football kits, and they're based in Plymouth, and supply kits to clubs all over the world. Right, get your pens. Customers can go on their website, swaz.co.uk, and use their specialized football kit builder to create whatever kit design they like. No minimums, no hidden costs, it's quick, and if you need any guidance, someone from Swaz will be on hand. Design it, wear it, Swaz. Lovely stuff, mate. Good job, Chris. Right, moving on from good news to um, the weekend. It wasn't great, was it, guys? Um, we'll try and do this in chronological order, because I feel like there's so much to unpack. And Let's go from the start. Leaks. Leaks galore. Leaks, leaks, leaks. Um, I know we're in the big time now in the championship, but it, se- it seems that every Saturday or even Friday, the team, Alex, is being leaked online. Is that a problem? I don't know, really. I think teams set up against us, most of them will see us as the underdog. So they'll bring their game to us. They won't feel like they have to react to what we do. I mean, usually they'll be pretty confident that Morgan Whitaker will start, so they'll have a plan to deal with him. And the rest of the time, I think they'll probably consider their players to be of higher quality than ours, and they will try and do what they do. That's what Leicester did yesterday. There's other bigger issues at play, I think, with our away form at the moment than teams being leaked. I assume that the teams aren't announced publicly for a reason. I mean, running the risk of letting the opposition know anything about your team um, seems counterproductive to me. I don't know why people who are in the know want to do it publicly. If If you've got a source that's in the know, that's great. But why are you putting it public? But I'm just going back, Alex, to that Norwich game where we punched them on the nose because they didn't know what we were going to do. That was a huge factor why we won that 6-2. Yeah, that's fair. And with the motivation of people doing it, that does baffle me, whether it's an advantage to the other team or not. It just seems completely pointless other than wanting to get a few likes on Twitter or whatever it is. Even if there's a small chance of being detrimental to the team, why would you do it? Speaking of those leaks, um, Tom, you wanted changes. You got them. Were you happy with them? Uh yeah, yeah I was. Um, we've got three big games coming up. Arguably the most important run of the season. It had to happen. It had to happen. As to what they were, I was open minded, but we needed rotation, and I wasn't surprised to see Whitaker and Azaz come off um, at a set time for Mumba and uh, Kundal. Yeah, the, the most of the our attacking major attacking players played around at the hour mark, didn't they? And obviously Hardy got a good run out and um, Mumba as well. Right, Chris. Goal number one, the penalty. It's all yours. I, it looked like it was petulant to me. Having from, watched it back, I'm, from Pleggy, I think that what he thought he was going to get a decision, he didn't get it, and he kind of tripped somebody up in the process of going to have a whinge. Um, <laughs> and it felt like a shame because, notwithstanding yeah. that they were the better side, it was the only really clear cut chance that we gave them. So, 
you ruined the whole plan. It was just, it was really frustrating because you could see so clearly what we were trying to do and it was really working. We were letting them have the ball at the back and we were saying, go on then, what are you going to do? Rather than us trying to go forward and, and get a goal and get the first goal and get on the front foot, we were giving them so much space at the back and they just were kind of rolling it around. Um, it was really working well and everybody knew what they were doing and having Butcher and Edwards in the side, the key word for me for, for this game was concentration. Leicester were going to have the ball, Leicester were going to move it around and they were going to try and open us up. And it was all about having players who could concentrate and who could stay focused and not do rash things. So that's why I think he brought the, that experience in from them. And we were doing really well and then ruined all of it. So if I was Shuey, I would be absolutely furious with him for that because I thought everything was going to plan and then everything's out the window. Yeah, but to me, the pattern is it's similar to the Coventry game in the in that game. We stopped playing. There was a handball shout, wasn't there? Yeah. I think Randall and Pluggy were calling for handball and didn't get it. I mean, it's it's so close to being a dive. <laughs> I've watched it a hundred times in preparation for this pod. And I'm still not sure whether there is contact. It's kind of Hurricane-esque, what Hurricane does so well, what he's done for his whole career, that he looks for that contact and goes down and you're kind of umming and ahhing whether it's a dive. And at the end of the day, yeah, Pluggy shouldn't invite that um, that opportunity, really. But yeah, it happened against Coventry. I agree. Yeah, like, I agree. It's like the it's it's it, like Chris is saying. It's the it's the play to the whistle. You want Plaggy to play to the whistle. If if he's mm-hmm. if he's beaten by a good player and he's given it his all, I'm not sure what more we can ask for. But the, yeah, there, there is a case there that he's not played to the whistle, and then he's made a decision that he wouldn't have done if he was if he'd taken longer to think because he was busy trying to convince the referee of something. For me, it wasn't why we lost the game. The game felt in reach at one 0 it was the it was the, the the two three and four that really cost us the game and made it a bad result. And actually, Archie, to steal your tee up, even after that, it was working well that we were pressuring, 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 and they were making mistakes. And who knows what would have happened if one of those chances that were created gone in? Yeah. Well, yeah. let's get in. Let's get Maybe. into it. We, we recovered well, didn't we? Um, we went into half time full of confidence. I did watching on TV, and I thought, yeah, I thought we we're doing better than expected. Alex, it was um, on the whole, I would argue it was a pretty positive first half with probably about three pretty clear cut chances: Bundu, um, Morgan Whitaker, and Callum Wright. All of which, I mean, especially Bundu, probably should be, should be doing slightly better. Yeah, I've seen some Leicester fans of. Um on social media kind of poking fun at that effort and using it as an example of, of why they need to get out of this division because it's it's not great. It wasn't great quality, but I think with Bundu, he is one of these players who is going to excite us and frustrate us in equal measure and we have to understand that that's the type of player he is and that's his game and he'll do things that um, Wayne won't be able to do, but then he might also miss sitters or I wouldn't call that sitter, but he might miss chances that Hardy perhaps or somebody else, Morgan Whitaker, yeah. would put away. I think we've got to be used to that. But there was there was good play. We we were in the game, definitely. We had more chances than I thought we were going to have or more pressure than I thought we were going to have. They they let us have the ball. There was space for us to play through, which was great to see. There was a few times, and this goes back to the team selection, where Callum Wright had the ball and I just thought he lacked that little bit of quality that, that we needed. He couldn't quite beat his man or mm, he had an effort yeah. that perhaps wasn't <clears throat> great. And... I think that's where the lack of quality showed. I don't know if one of our better players might have been able to have a little bit more magic there, 
But yeah. going in at half time, as Tom said, you know, we were well in it. We were in the game. Um, and then disaster struck. Yeah, just to t- touch on that Bundu chance, because it has been um, clipped up a lot by both sets of fans. I think initially I was like, that's a bit, <laughs> he's had a bit of a howler. But watching it back, he gets a great first touch in and then he looks to make a second one. And as basic as it sounds, it looks like he's kind of missed the ball almost. And the ball result, as a result, the ball kind of gets under him. He gets trapped under him and he gets off his shot, which is not great. Um, just on that, it's yeah. funny how football works because yesterday... I was like, let's not be too hard on him. But when you see the angle from behind the goal, it's like, oh my God, that really was a sitter. Um, yeah. They, they stopped yeah, playing. They, they, they were like, he's going to score. They, yeah, they, I think it, so, really, it really did get caught under him, didn't it? And he, it was a, yeah. Any other points on the first half before we get into the real misery? Can I do half time? <laughs> yeah. What happened at half time, Chris? Well, every, every now and then, like I say, what is it like a, stopped clock is right twice a day. Is that the phrase that says even idiots get it right sometimes? Particularly proud of my little message in this group saying my biggest fear is that their manager says, stop messing about, absolutely go for it. That negativity proved right. That I really do think that was what happened. They just said, okay, just change the game plan for 10 minutes. Absolutely have a go at these guys. And I think we'll get them. Mm. because it happened it it was Palace it was that Palace game it was just all they did was turned it on for 10 minutes and we crumbled yeah all right well let's get into it Alex um he's a pep disciple as a Leicester manager but they went route one for the goal do you want to unpack it for us so so when we first saw this everyone's screaming at the defenders and saying are they Play beautiful football and there they've gone, route one, lumped it straight up the field and our defence haven't been able to do anything about it. That's embarrassing. That's criminal. And then you watch it again and it's a move. It's a it's a play. It's tactics that were actually incredibly effective because it, there were a few times in the first half as well where I'd see Gibson on the edge of the, their penalty box and I'd go, what on earth is he doing up there? Because they were trying to do a man-marking job on people, they just thought, brilliant, we'll just pull them all over the place. And so all of their forwards... When the when the goalkeeper plays it long, kind of drop and pull their men wherever they need to go, and then there's the guy who's like in his own half. He's like halfway between the penalty area and the halfway line, just absolutely guns it as fast as he can straight down the middle because he knows exactly what's going to happen because this is part of their plan, and he gets onto the ball and they go through and score. So it looks like it's sort of schoolboy stuff. Um, people would be screaming and shouting about it. But actually, I thought it was a really well-executed move. And could we have dealt with it? Well, it's like we've said before, you could always deal with it. All goals are preventable. But it wasn't quite as simple as just them hoofing it up and then us not dealing with it. Uh, Tom, the defensive line on the eye looked all over the place. But to Alex's point, was there more to that? Yeah, it was deliberate. If You could see it was a deliberate move. that It wasn't just hoof it and hope. They'd, they'd done a job pulling everybody out of position. You could see Puego Duello was drawn out to their danger man, who's Kira Dewsbury Hall, who's the division's best player by some distance, if you base that on KPIs. And when Pleggy has played, he does a job stepping out, whether it's in a four or five, to attack the, the talented CEM. He did it against Norwich, and he did it against Joe Bellingham to very good effect. So the, the lazy watcher who says, oh, why is he half up the pitch? Yeah, that's what we do. 
the runner targets Gibson because he knows Plague's out of position. So suddenly they've got two on one, which is what we did to Norwich. Two people on one. And Chris made a point earlier about spotting the angle behind the goal. And I'm a little bit more forgiving of Gibson, who I also saw come in with some flat. They could do some better. But actually, you know, the ball was, there's a lot of swaz on it. Hello, swaz. It bent out wide, and I don't think he could get his head on it. So what they did is they'd engineer themselves a chance where we're going to put pressure on Gibson. And they also, I would say, read the room that Miller wasn't going to be much used to him. And he wasn't. He was, you know, half a step behind. And that pace that he's picked for, for some reason, wasn't there. Mm. Shuey came out in the post and said about he was happy with the effort of the players and the effort levels. There is a real reluctance to peg it back for that goal. Um, that really struck me as possibly been drilled into them to manage energy levels because there's joe and pleggy and i don't know if anybody else read into that i i know exactly what you mean i can picture it i think i think they think there was not there wasn't perhaps a need to get back i can't believe they're you know they're thinking from a fitness stamina point of view and whatever it was the 50 odd minute i'd be shocked to be honest also just the reality then they got no chance of catching him he's got like a 10 yard head start like it's this is he's either going to score or he isn't. Uh, Mark, a quick a quick point. Last week, you and us were commenting on the rotation at the back, and this week we saw three changes at the back in a back four, which seems like a lot. What are your what are your thoughts and feelings on that? Um, I'd rather not talk about it, and let's move on to the quiz. But I will say, um, <laughs> obviously, Scar likely to come back in for QPR. We've given away silly goals. You know, he can't start the game with, with that sort of uh, penalty and rash challenge. And it's all about the next game for me already at this stage. I've got nothing really to say about Leicester. I've already moved on. I'm, I'm with Mark, actually. I know it doesn't make for fantastic pod content, but there is a recurring theme here that we rotated to keep players fresh. They were a good side. We basically said... Don't injure yourself or go all guns out. Um, if you're expecting me to go, I agree with you, and then not have a whinge, you're, you're very much mistaken. Ugh. Yeah, let's yeah, let's get into it. Let's go get into whinge territory, Alex. Um, we capitulated, didn't we? Not for the first time this season. We had a horrendous ten minute spell. Yeah, it was. It's felt very similar to those few minutes against uh, Crystal Palace in the cup, where. Once, once we started to wobble, that was it, um, and we did, we managed to sort of stem the flow a bit after that. I was worried it was going to go on to be five or six, but I think Leicester kind of took their foot off the gas. They knew the game was won by then. They started bringing on their nineteen-year-old debutants and things like that. We do have that little soft underbelly that sometimes, when we get exposed, we can have those moments of weakness. But I think yesterday, as with Crystal Palace, it's just that level of quality, and when they've got their momentum. They're a team that can tear you apart, and that's all they needed to do. Like Chris said, half time, go out there and just absolutely go for them, go for the throat, go for the jugular. They did, and they tore us apart for ten minutes, and then took their foot off the gas. I don't know; it's a hard one to measure whether that's a big problem or not because this team are so far ahead of a lot of other teams in the division. Mm-hmm. I haven't seen us really do it against a team that's around us or below us in the table. And before, before we go to Tom, I think we did do it for about 15 minutes against Stoke. Mm. They were just shit. <laughs> like that. But it's true, right? It's a, we're, a version, we're a bit like Spurs 
like a shit Spurs. Like, <laughs> they, like he's he's got the same attitude. Like if you listen to him in the week, he's like, I'm not going to change anything. I've been here before. I play a high risk breed of football. We're going to score more than we're not. It's going to fail. And I think that's exaggerated. If it's easy for Spurs to say that, who are probably a top six team. We're a bottom half of the championship team, right, at the moment. So when it goes wrong, it's going to go horribly wrong. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm with you at large, although winning League One with 101 points against the odds to, to have the opportunity to be called a shit Spurs might be <laughs> the wrong way of looking at it. Uh, do you know what, um, Alex? I think it is an issue. And the reason is, is they had, had seven or eight shots yesterday, Leicester. Um but they were all really high quality chances that we conceded. I'm, and I'm less concerned about the long ball because I feel they earned that. Um, and and Chris has done my talking for me. He, he's right. Against Stoke, it was an issue. It wasn't the number of chances we conceded. It's this point that we made on the last pod, which we remain a team for, for my money anyway, that has to work very, very hard to get its points and its goals. We, our opposition do not have to work as hard as we do against us because we gift and we gift and we gift. The, the, it's not very often, but when when it's time for giving, we're super, super generous. Yesterday was like 80 minutes climbing up a steep hill and I was largely happy with how we approached a very steep hill and climbed it for 80 minutes. And the other 10 minutes, we just spent rolling back down. We just spent that 10 minutes cost us and we roll right back down to the bottom. Um we're under-resourced and we're inexperienced and it's like we're fighting gravity, yeah? If we take our eye off the ball for a second, it's super, super, super costly. And our more experienced rivals are a little bit better at that. I'm not advocating for a change of style. It's just a recurring pattern that we see, doesn't it? It's when we switch off, we're really costly. Leicester haven't beaten anybody 4-0. You see, we can, we can go on about how great they are and how big the chasm is on the financials, but nobody's had that much joy. Um, oh, they haven't had that much joy, sorry, against anybody than they did in that 10-minute spell against us. And you could go, is it unlucky because it's not that many chances? Yeah, and, and there's a little bit to that, but that's exclusive to that game. It's not exclusive to Plymouth Argyle this season. Um, I'd be interested. To, I'd be interested to see how many of the teams that they haven't beaten 4-0 have put out a weakened side or slightly weaker side against them as, as well. Maybe had they done that, maybe had some of those other teams decided that the next two, three games were more important, maybe they would have got turned over. Maybe, but I, I, I appreciate that. And, and we did make, we, we all supported, I think, last week, a calculated decision to rest some players. But 4 0 is not a good result at any level. Before, and, and don't take me that, it's very separate to my analysis of performance. But the result, the thing that gives us the points with which we need to stay in this division, it's not a good result. I can accept not winning the game or even the drawing. A, drawing the game because that was never that likely. But, you know, 4-0 is a pretty rare score. 4 nils is a pretty rare score in FA Cup third round David and Goliath matches. You know, not every FA Cup tie ends with a hammering. So on the spectrum of satisfaction with the result, it's still very much at the end that we don't want. That's not to bemoan that we didn't win the game. I wasn't expecting us to get our first away win. I guess they would have loved it and it would have been very championship for it to be a turn up for the books like that. But we have to own up and accept you know, 4 nils a bad day at the office. This is a game that we perhaps need to reflect on in two weeks' time. And with the benefit of that hindsight, we'll be able to say whether or not, yeah, that 4 nil was a step backward to take two forward. Um, talking about it now in the context of the, the upcoming games is interesting. And it will be interesting to see how the team selection and the players that were picked to start the game against the best team in division, how that will impact upon what happens 
Wednesday and Saturday, definitely. Right. Well, let's get into it, shall we? We'll take a wee break and uh, get into what is a monumental two weeks ahead of us. Back in a bit. All right, welcome back to part two. So, you know, we've been saying for a few weeks now, or I've been saying, quoting uh, Juznip, that, you know, we just need six points from every five games. And we've managed that for this block of five already, game number four. However, however, we've got three huge, huge games coming up. And we probably haven't had pressure like this since April, possibly, you know, after the derby and the run we went on. We need to see some performances. We need to, crucially, we need to see some points and a lot of them, really. And possibly even getting over that six point per five game ratio, I would argue, Tom, because QPR away, tough game, admittedly, but they're down and around us. And then Rotherham and Birmingham at home. Mm. Huge. Well, cliche, every game's a tough game. So let's just, let's take that one as a given. That you're right, the six out of five is more of a long-term target, isn't it? What they want to achieve over a period of time. If, you, if you're going to write off a game like the Leicester game, which I think we all did in terms of chances of adding to our points tally, you need to do better than your sort of tracking average in, you know, the next three games coming up, which is away to the team with the second worst home record. And then uh, at home ourselves to teams with two of the four worst away records we need points you know um and and to kid ourselves to think that we've got the facilities to get ourselves out of a bad set of results we've not proven that yet so yeah look we need an away win and we're playing queen's park rangers i know that they're in a bit of form which is unfortunate for us but the gamble we took against leicester was not playing our strongest side with probably this game in mind yeah pressure's on to to deliver because like you say tom it seems like Shuey's put all his eggs in that in the QPR basket, Mark, and anything other than a draw. I mean, draw is kind of the minimum, I'd argue. Yeah, it's important not to lose to your relegation rivals. Yeah, I mean, it looks like QPR have suddenly uh, found some form, the manager bounce and all that, and uh, it's not an ideal time to be playing them. It would be a good atmosphere there in Shepherd's Bush. Uh, they've got that magic uh, formula at the moment, momentum. Um, it's important not to lose. This would be a, a valuable draw against your relegation rivals. Yeah, We don't want to be having a six-point turnaround against them. We've got to find something away from home. We've got to find something. Stay in the game. We did show signs at Coventry, which was an awful game, and we you know, we might have deserved a point there. That might be the formula again, but uh, let's hope for a happier end than we had in Cov. That's for sure. Can, can I make a case, guys, that we need nine points from the three games? And I'll explain why. Um, I did some research. It hurt, but I did some to prep this up so I wasn't spouting nonsense. Um, in 2018-19, Wigan got 11 points in the whole season away from home. In 2010 and 2011, Crystal Palace got nine points away from home. Those are the lowest two tallies across a whole season by any two sides in championship history who have not been relegated. We're currently on track to not hit that. Just for context, only three other teams have got lower than those and those three sides were relegated. We have to win away games. Yeah, if we're not going to win a single away game this season, I'm going to have to use the R word quite regularly. And we're playing, albeit a side in form, the second weakest team at home. Now, I look at any three 
three game run and think, well, asking for a hundred percent isn't a reasonable request, but those next two games are against the bottom side and a side with uh, one of the few sides with an away record as bad as ours. I'm, I think we really need to win all these three. It's very unfortunate they're in a row, but I don't think any of them could be seen as a good result if they're not wins. There's varying degrees of how bad they are if they're not wins. I do hear Mark's point. But this is the problem we've given ourselves, guys. We we, we have to win an away game. If this isn't the game, somebody tell me when is. Well, let me jump in again. You would hope that we're going to strengthen somehow find some magic tokens to strengthen in uh, January in the window because we need it. You know, and these results coming up against QPR, Rotherham and Birmingham might indicate the extent of uh, surgery that we need to do. So, yeah, I mean, it's hard to fathom that we won't win it away from home all season. That's what the stats are suggesting at the moment. I can't see it happening because I'm a positive guy. This is the guy that tipped a sixth place finish, of course. A complete moron, but then mind. Um, yeah, uh, I think a draw is a good result. I'm only looking at the QPR result. I think that's if we draw that, something to build on for Rotherham on Saturday. Archie, give me give me your thoughts. We 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 got to win this. Yeah, then? I think your your the strongest part of your argument is the fact that it's bad luck that they're all together. If hmm. you're looking at the fixture list from now until May, just saying QPR away, those two games at home. Nine points, please. The fact that they're together in a row of three within seven days, or whatever it is, if you're, you're saying nine points feels unreasonable. Why is it bad they're all together? Like, I'm being a deliberate idiot. Because um, we're asking Argyle to Why win is it three better in, to spread them out? We're, we're asking Argyle to win three in a row, and we haven't done two. Well, I think that it, having three together, it helps you to plan for them as a unit in terms of how you approach each game. So you know you've got these three games. Okay, what do we need against QPR? What, what do we need against Rotherham and then and Birmingham? And you can rest players or you can select certain players, not only for the team you're playing against, but knowing who you've got coming up in a few days' time as well. So in a way, it's advantageous. The pressure is on them. It means the pressure is intense. But I'd rather be building up momentum through these three games, beat QPR, go into the next one with confidence rather than coming off a two, three, four nil defeat against one of the teams at the top and then trying to regroup and, and go again. It also means that we're not putting out weakened sides because I think we're going to just go for it as much as we can against these three. So we're not having to sacrifice the game before because the next one's so important because we won't be able to do that. So I don't know. I think having three of them together... Do we have, but, do we have, this, do we have the squad depth to go three games in a week all out? But we're not going three games in a week all out, are we? Because we rested players at the weekend. So it's two, sorry, not it's, it's, yeah. two, it's two games, the QPR game Ten and then the weekend. Yeah. And then, and then we yeah. have a little break, right? Yeah. So, Okay, taking these two games, the QPR and the Rotherham, I, I think I might be with Tom. I, I'm i struggling to see a world and where <laughs> six points is acceptable, really. Because after that, who you got away? Southampton, Cardiff? I'm sure the tapestry of every championship, successful championship clubs, not even successful, the ones who don't get relegated, is a collage of, of unexpected wins and unexpected defeats. We haven't, we've only dabbled in half of those so far and not the positive half. We need an away win, you know, prove we can do it. I tell you what we do know we can do is we know that we can write off a 4-0 result 
Shuey's got excellent previews for that. You'd like to think that people who haven't got a, a team that doesn't have such a good record of that as us under Schumacher would also do that in these circumstances. But what's a given here is Shuey's got real previous for turning around or ignoring that kind of result and not having it impact our form. So I'd like to think that's in the in the dialogue being used in the dressing room. Yeah, no, I agree. But I think, I mean, I'd challenge anyone to say that they're confident that we're getting nine out of nine. I agree that we need to. Don't get me wrong. I agree. I re- I'm in full agreement with you there. But on the other hand, I'm thinking, what, 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 what have I got to... Where's the evidence that we're going to achieve that? If we wanted to pick two home, one away games in succession on the basis you're not going to get three at home in a row, you're not going to be able to, you weren't you wouldn't have been able to hand pick the many better, mm. would you? You might have swapped QPR for Millwall and given QPR's recent form, but um, yeah, just, we've got to do it. And, and I, one of the guys mentioned we haven't won two in a row, and you know we're going to need to do that at some point this season because we've lost two in a row. So this is the time to do it. Not winning games in a row. I, I don't. I don't know how much you can look into, read into that really, because you play a different team every week, and this just so happens that. There's a quirk of the fixtures list where we've got three teams that we would be hoping to beat. I mean, when was the last time that we had three teams that we would be like, oh, we definitely fancy three points against these teams? It's just mm-hmm. the way it's panned out. I'd, if we had had a run of three easy games, we might have won three in a row. If we'd had a run of games against teams all in the top four, we might have lost four in a row, I think. I mean, that, that, Coventry game, that Coventry game was the one, wasn't it? sandwiched by two wins where you're thinking we need to go. I mean, we had a debate about it before, didn't we? That we need to go there and get something and we didn't. Mm, there's a, and and <laughs> so before that... Alex comes back in, but I will point in and it's not lost on me. We've had a, we're, we're, where our luck <laughs> is out slightly is we do seem to be say, playing these sides on in a resurgence. Coventry, we're in a resurgence. We've now got QPR in a resurgence where all the opponents they've had so far have had utter joy against them. Yeah. Yeah. We played Stoke. Huddersfield. Sheffield. I, t- I would four points in the next two games would be a good return, whichever way it comes. We could beat QPR and have a nightmare at home to Rotherham. I think less than four wouldn't be great, but I think expecting or wanting nine is setting ourselves up for failure and disappointment. Mm. I, these are games like the Millwall game, and to some certain extent, the Swansea game that was in that same week. The difference here is. These are games that we have the tools to go out and win. We have the manager and we have the players to go out and win these games if we want to. So a lot of the time we've been able to use the excuse, oh, we're, we're Plymouth Argyle, we're new in the division, we've got the lowest budget, we've got a small squad. The difference is with these games, whatever happens is I don't think there's an there's excuse of, well, w- w- it's a tough division and these teams have got a lot more money than us. These are teams that we should be able to beat. And if we don't, then it's on somebody rather than just blaming the quality of the division. Mark, it's interesting. The bottom 11 in the championship, nine of their, or nine of those teams have changed their manager, um, which is incredible, really. And you've had Sunderland offers in the top half. So we're looking at nearly half of the championship teams and, you know, mid-December have, have made the chop, um, which is incredible. I don't know if that's a record, but it feels, um, it feels mad. Anyway, to us, you know, I firmly believe in a relegation fight, but my positive angle on this is that I think our greatest strength will be that we are, we're the same ones in a madhouse. As you know, Stoke are firing 
And you know, there. Imagine, imagine being a Stoke fan. You know, your ex prem. I don't, I don't know. If they're still on parachute payments, but the pressure is on. The pressure is on, and these teams are hiring and firing. And I have a feeling, my one of my one of the positives I clutch to is that we're not like that. Shuey's here to stay unless someone comes in for him. We're not going to fire him. The fan base, we'll come on to that soon, as a whole, seems to be fairly level-headed. What are your feelings on that? Well, Shuey spoke about that type of thing, the you know, the interest that was perceived by Sunderland, and he spoke about, you know, the short managerial shelf life that exists. And he also said, yeah, he could be fired by Argyle after a Mm. Poor run of results. We don't yeah, we don't necessarily agree with that. We think we has he has mm. a lot of a lot of credit. But you know, it's like anything, it's a results business. If we carry on losing in abject fashion, he might walk out of his own accord. This was meant to be the positive bit. I was trying to get some positivity in. You're talking about a world where Shuey walks, Mark. Come on. Do you but maybe it's a rubbish point, but do you see what I'm getting at? That these teams, these nine teams, you know, some of them we, for QPR, yeah. it's worked for, for Millwall, not so much. For Huddersfield, in theory, it's much, much yeah, less. in theory, we are a very professionally well-run club with good people making decisions. But if you carry mm. on losing football games in abject fashion, things need to change. I'm not suggesting for any minute that uh, you know that we're all going to lose uh, like ten games on the trot. All about going to QPR and getting a result. Yeah, let's put in a better performance. Mm. And things have changed so quickly in football. You know, we're, we're already get, you've already made me negative and talking about 10 defeats on the trot. It's, 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 a, it's, I want to go there at QPR. Let's dig in and get a result. Archie, I can pick you up on that point, on your, on your point a bit. And I think Thanks, in, 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 in terms of this season, it might not make a difference. It might come down to, they get their manager bounce and the other teams move up and, and we still struggle and we end up falling into that last relegation place and go down. Where the stability that you're talking about, I think will really pay off and benefit us is compared to the teams that go down if that happens to us, which I, I still don't believe it will. But if that happens, we are in a position now, the difference between when we were in this division last time is we were in free fall because we didn't have the infrastructure, the club set up, mm. the people in charge. It fell apart. Now we do. So if we go down, one of the one of the things that the club has done is to make sure that if we go down, we are in the best position, best possible position to be having a promotion push straight away and come back because we've got everything is in place. So the stability this season, I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make across the performance this season and the points we pick up. I think it is a huge benefit, but possibly in a more longer-term outlook of, are we going to be a yo-yo club or are we going to drop all the way back down to League Two, like some of these clubs do when they drop down and completely implode Mm -hmm. and it takes them six years to get out? Chris, I think as a fan base, moving away from the club, approach to our approach as a group of fans and the wider Green Army I think we need to become comfortable with being uncomfortable we're going to have this you know, up and down roller coaster for the next six months aren't we I, th- I think if we'd have done this podcast last season it would have been really boring because we'd just be saying hope we win again mm. um, Like I think the uptick in standard is important I, I also 
and I guess you could find evidence to the contrary, think that the manager bounce concept is just not true. I think if you, you're likely to get sacked at a low point, and at some point, you're going to see a bounce. In fact, there was some analysis done by this a little while ago by somebody cleverer than me who actually said, hang on a minute, the managerial bounce is a chimera. The phantom bounce is nothing more than regression to the mean. And that was done by looking at the clubs who records for people who didn't, didn't sack managers. Like, it's kind of sensible, right? Someone loses loads of games and then you bring in somebody mm -hmm. new, it's as likely that if you keep your manager or don't. So I, I'm with you. I think sticking is probably an advantage compared to the statistical likelihood that at some point you're going to bounce back. I love the way that we've got a sponsor and Chris is now using language like regression to the mean because like paymasters pay might be listening to our podcast. That is, comfortably, <laughs> that is comfortably the best set of words that we've used. <laughs> well, I mean, it's, the, the extreme examples of Birmingham and QPR, right? I mean, Birmingham dropped off a cliff and QPR is suddenly looking like, you know, London's answer to Barcelona. Which, which proves that, which means it's not really a thing, especially if you analyse it over lots and lots of clubs. Like, yeah. I think... I think our stability is important and I think it's important in the long term based on something that was again said at that fans forum around the legislation that might be coming around everything else. I think, and I think it's relevant to yesterday that yeah. it was a likely defeat. If it had been two nil, maybe we'd be a bit less disappointed, but mm. I think statistically, and also those, when does it matter when those games come? So let's say we get six points, in the next three games, we're ahead of a target the club set. That's okay, right? Tom, look, we've spoken about us keeping our cool. I mean, the fans aren't, not all the fans are doing that. There's polls on, you know, Twitter, but that's worth mentioning. I don't know, you know, do we sack Shui if we lose on Wednesday? I'm worried. And in fact, we had a question from New Zealand on this very topic. We've had a sponsor and a question in one pod. Keep your heads. Um, do we... When do the fans turn? Will they turn? I'm not saying it's right that they turn. I hope they don't. I mean that that's that's nonsense. Anybody who's you see people calling for his head, I mean, forget it. That's that's moronic. yeah. There was you a know, poll, wasn't there? Yeah, it's crazy. And it, well, I look, football fan, football's a broad church with reactionary people and sensible people. Um, breadths of intelligence, intelligences. Sorry, I will be that blunt about it. You know, I saw the guys who were scared shitless that he'd go to Sunderland. Um, mm. I'm actually more concerned about that in the sense that if Shuey, like Mark says, that that, that, that could work both ways. I, I, I think he's more likely, I don't think either of these are likely, by the way, but he, he could walk rather than think, uh, things work against him because Shuey's doing a really good job, but he might have a relegation against his name, not because of his skill set, but because he's got the lowest wage budget. And that's where, unless he's outperforming or the club's outperforming, that's where he should be. I think the chairman spoke about this, the fans forum that the bottom part of the championship is a bit chaotic where the trend is not quite so in line with the rest of football where wages equals success basically, but it's, it's still loosely collected to that. So, you know, I've, and, and if the manager's reading stuff like that, I mean, obviously he's got, I don't think he's going to take too much to heart, but that's not going to help. I don't know what anybody no. thinks that's going to achieve. New, no. new manager bounce don't mean anything to me. Like Chris was saying, 
the new manager bounce looks like it's sometimes successful and sometimes not. It's because you don't have the evidence of what would have happened if you didn't fire the manager. You don't have that data. Nobody has that. You don't know whether mm. you're going to get better. Stoke have just sacked Alex Neal, right? We'll never know if Alex Neal was going to turn it around. He'll say he probably would. Any, any manager who's got the sack is probably going to say they were a game away from turning it around. Oh, just an important point on that. If you take evidence from Twitter, a certain moron pointing at my own face last week was like, well, I hear that we travel to games on the same day. I'm just, it was just complete bollocks that I got from Twitter. So lesson learned, ignore social media for anything of substance. You also, got, you also got the correction from social media, I might add, by the way. But, um... I, I, I did, I did. But the general trend is if you, if you want to get engagement on Twitter, run a poll that says something stupid. That mm. people will be like, what? No. I guess it, it, I guess yeah. I guess I guess I want I worry and maybe we should just cross this bridge when we come to it. I worry where the fan base will be in a month's time, in two months' time, if it continues like it is, which in my opinion is okay. It's it's fine. But I don't know if the fans will be able to hack it, some of them. By the look I mean we're mm. you know, we lost to Leicester, which is we've you know, we've gone over it. Not great, but it's not the end of the world. And if some fans are flipping calling for his head. My thinking on it is, is I, I'd, I'd like to be able to come on a fan's podcast and say I was disappointed with 4-0 and at 2-0, that, that was roughly in line with expectations. 4-0 is a bad result without anybody then turning around and thinking, oh God, you, you, you actually think the, you know, the manager's in jeopardy. You know, it was so far apart from, from those two points on that spectrum. You know, it mm. wasn't a good result. I, I don't really want anybody to pretend that it was because we played a little bit better and the opposition were good. You know, 4-0 is not good by anybody's money, but a million miles away, from changing the manager. I think the start of your question, Archie, was about um, calmness of the fan base. Do we keep calm? We spoke on this pod last week and said that we recognise that in our joy of beating Stoke, that if we lost against Leicester, we'd be looking over our shoulder. And a couple, Chris has said a couple of times, you've got to enjoy the ride here because as long as we're a championship club and not in the top six, which does seem a, a little, quite a bit of work away, we're going to be like this. I'm not convinced Preston aren't concerned about relegation. Where are they? Like eighth, ninth, tenth, or something? We have got to get accustomed to it. It's, but I would say the club's been pretty good since Simon Hallett's been the chairman at communicating a sensible decision-making process and convincing some of the fan base and being transparent mm. with them about the decisions. I would say that our fans are pretty good at not sort of asking the club for silly money and asking for unreasonable things and being quite philosophical about who we are and where we are, that has definitely seeped into some of the fan engagement I've seen. Not all of it. There's going to be morons. We consider ourselves morons. Mm. Believe it or not, guys, there's bigger morons than us. Um, <laughs> so I hope it helps a bit. But I, in terms of um, convincing all the fans to calm down if we lose a load of games, I mean, that's like turning an ocean liner. Um, I'm not convinced that's something that Plymouth Argyle can do it feels football wider football and societal related that one I don't know how anybody who's watched what we've done over the last 12 months this time last year we were giddy because we, we we started to believe that we might be able to get an automatic promotion spot and actually we would have been happy with a playoff spot in the division below and now all of a sudden people are getting upset because we're talking about relegation any any position we are above the relegation zone in this division at any given point is overperforming. So so if you look at the table right now and there's people calling for a manager who is overperforming, 
even though we're frustrated because we feel like we could have done better, that's just balmy. It's just bonkers. Certainly is. Any last words, Chris? I'm looking forward to a quiz. All right. Well, let's take a wee break, rest our minds, keep calm, and we'll be back in a bit. You can get on with your quiz. Right, the quiz. Before we move on to the quiz, we need to touch on it. FA Cup glamour tie, third round. Alex, are you excited? Yeah, I'm excited. That's exactly what I wanted. Home tie against the weaker team. Thank you very much. See you in the next round. Cheerio. They are not happy about getting us, Tom. Uh, no, it? I wouldn't be. I, I think I'd love to see the FA Cup draw seeded. I'm a bit of a purist. I don't like change, but, you know, Arsenal, Liverpool, I mean, come on. Nobody cares. They don't want that. No fans want that. Mm. And yeah, look, all these teams dream of getting a good tie in the FA Cup. But to be honest, there's only about seven good ties, whoever you are, mm. you know. Yeah. Um, Actually, on the FA Cup, the I, I will say the TV schedule for it is absolutely appalling. It's disgusting. The FA Cup is about smaller teams doing their absolute best and getting a big tie against a big club and getting a bit of money that can change the fortunes of that club in the for the future it can completely change their entire existence sometimes for those much smaller clubs as well it could be the difference between being able to afford to stay up in their division next season and the fact that they've put on television all these incredibly dull and i know why they've done it for the viewing figures premier league versus premier league games that we see week in week week out and all these smaller teams where it's like once in a generation get on national television have been completely ignored and i think it's disgusting i agree I agree. I mean, I'd like that. That uh, priority number one of an independent regulator for me. I mean, I'm not close enough to know the football as to whether there's anything more urgent. But as a fan, um, want to see that regulated. I mean, go back to our league two days. We touched on it last week. I think that um, in the Derek special, he touched on it, that it nearly got us what best part of a million. Those Liverpool, that Liverpool double header, and we boy did we need it back then. Um, all right, we're there. The quiz. Mark, it is your time to shine. Okay. Right, I need your help here to humour me and uh, to ease me through this. Yeah, I have a, I'm not very I'm not very good at this. Okay, so but I have something for you. Mm-hmm. And it's technically a quiz. Yeah, and it's based on nicknames. Argo Argo nicknames. Okay. So what I thought we could do is uh, have the easy ones would be one point. Yeah, an easy nickname would be one point. Two would be a little bit tougher. And three for the hardest of the hard nicknames in Plymouth Argos. Illustrious history over the years. So what I suggest we do is start with the, start with the uh, youngest, Archie, and alphabetically. No, it isn't, because Alex. <laughs> Sorry. We'll start with the youngest. Archie, please. One, two, or three points. And I will One. shape a question. I will shape a question for you. Tailor made. Okay. okay. Um, uh, like Swaz. Swaz. This is very good. Very good. Very good. Two, Mark. Two. Okay. Right. What was. Onismore Bazera's nickname. <laughs> I don't. The Pisotti end of season award thief. Never gave it back. I don't know. 
one. That, it's not right. It's not one. doesn't quite roll off the tongue. Tongue doesn't. I, I'm, I've got no idea. Anyone help him? Baz? Baz? Was it Baz? Yes. It was just Baz. Yes. Sorry, I have to take your first answer. That's unfortunate. <laughs> okay. I thought it was going to be that you give us the nickname and we the player. Bloody hell. Right. Yeah. I'd say Tom was next in the age. Uh, I'm not, you know, hopefully not. Ah, cheers, Mark. And by yeah. miles. <laughs> Sorry, Alex. I was out last night, so I look about 10 years older. Chicago so. beer. Right. <laughs> Get some white sunglasses. Tom? They help. How many points would you like, sir? Two, sir. Two? Okay. Right. What was Paul Williams' nickname? Paul Williams was a stalwart for Neil Warnock. He scored a very important goal against Colchester in the gets to Wembley in the playoffs at home park. Tremendous header. Left back. What was his I nickname? Do. I remember the goal, I remember the guy. Great day. Expect better from you, Tom. Come on. Yeah. Willow. No. Charlie. Charlie Williams. <laughs> oh. how, how many points was that? Two. Was that a two points. Two. Oh, that was a two. I'm not going to go for a three there. It's at my discretion. Sorry. Uh, okay, who's next? Alex, I think. Yeah. I think. Uh, okay. Um, <laughs> you sure? How many points, Alex, please? I need this to keep rolling, please. One, please. One? Okay. What was Michael Evans' nickname? Trigger. There you go. Not that difficult, is it? Want, getting, a, getting a good single point is better than going for three and not getting any. Trying to, try to, try to draw his way to safety. Chris, oh. Chris. Three, please. Three. Okay. God, pre-war. That's hard. Let's see what they got. Okay, this is uh, three. Okay, this is a good one. This, this could be cryptic for you. Cryptic. Okay. Whose nickname was Judy? Judy. Okay, and I'll give you a clue because you you need a clue. Um, oh, I know. He, you know? Yeah. See, I'm, I'm thinking Spears based on the Bugs Bunny connection, but I don't know we've got any players with that name. Judy you Spires, you mean? Did you Spires, say this was pre-war? Yeah. No, this is uh, this is a player that played uh, briefly. Yeah, on... uh, no, Jason Punchin. Jason Punchin, Punchin Judy. <laughs> well done, Alex. Have you uh, have these you, actual you... nicknames, or have you made have these you, up? Yeah, you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like it. Are they level nicknames? No. What you call people? No, no. This is all. Oh, this is the, this is who's next? Archie, let's keep this rolling, please. We don't need to be editing this all night. Okay. <laughs> Um, two. Two. All right. I'll be nice to you because you deserve it as host of this illustrious podcast sponsored by Swaz. This guy is currently acting as a as a pundit for Argyle TV. Okay. And his his nickname not that not that was, one. His nickname was Mad Dog. Oh, Irish bloke. It's not good enough. You need to be a little bit tighter with your answer there. It's got a muck in it. True. Okay. 
2000 to 2003, nearly 100 appearances, two goals. That's, uh, you've just totally plucked those uh, figures. Uh, that's definitely not come off the Wikipedia page. <laughs> no, I haven't because I watched I watched his video about an hour ago. Well, it's whatever, not Aaron Cusack, so you must be struggling with no. this. <laughs> well, you, you remember the exact appearances and goals, but not his name. Because it, it popped up on the screen. Yeah, I can't remember his name. His name's something really generic and Irish, isn't it? Can you pass it over? Yeah. Come on. Make, it's make go on. It's close. Right, well, it's, go on. Who are you passing it to? Oh, no, he's Archie's having one go. Go on. Oh. Say, some, say some letters. Come on, let's hear, hear the most stereotypical, offensively stereotypical Irish name. No, we're, we're, being, we're being sponsored on this one. I can't. The name is Smiles. I will not. Um, right, his, his first I, name I was, was. Oh, sorry. Go on. Yeah. No, 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 no. no, no, no sorry. Go on. Pass. It's Brian I mean, McGlinchey. Gotta... Brian oh, Madnog McGlinchey. Okay, right. Right. Um, Tom's next as well. Okay. Um, need points. Three. Three. Okay. Three. Norman Piper. <laughs> this will test you. Uh, privilege of meeting Norman last year in the Club Argyle. A privilege and what a guy still going to support the Argyle um, do you remember his nickname though it's I called him Norman and uh, or just plain it's, sir it's not um, Norman it's your bag I'm going to go with Pied no that's good bag. Chris might get it eh bag bagpiper that's good this is like a, a slang for illegal drugs I believe on the street his nickname is Wiz. Wiz. For some, for some reason. Sorry. Norman, no, I know. That'll be Norman Wisdom, wouldn't it? There you yes. go. There you go, Clever. Tom. There you go. There is logic to that nickname. Okay. Right. Let's speed things up a little bit. We have... I'll go for... It's me. I'll go for two. Two. Okay. One of our greatest ever players. No, oh, bloody hell. Unfortunately... Before your time, Alex. That's why it's two points. Whose nickname was Jumbo? If I could give Jumbo. you a clue. Yeah, Jumbo. I this don't is know. 1950s, though. Oh, 1950s? Yeah. Jumbo Jock Morrison. Quite. <laughs> Quite. Anyone Jim want... Fornell. Fornell. Jim Fornell, Jumbo no. Jim. No, no. No, we're talking 1950s, not 1970s. Not sure Tom will know. No, just... I'm not sure I can name a 50s what? player, actually. Jumbo no. Jack Chisholm. I can believe the Argyle Lounge was... Uh, he was, after yeah. ...for many, many, many years. Just waiting for my invite there. Three. Three for Chris. Okay. This is more your era, Chris. Um, three. Whose nickname was Rambo? Northern Irish. Jerry McAlinney. There we go. Beautiful. <laughs> beautiful. What a beautiful man he was under Dave Smith. Very sexy. Try, man. try spelling it in autocorrect. No, thank you. And see what you get. Two. Two. Well, this is. This is two. This is worth two for you, Archie. Jeff Crudgington's nickname. 
Think Isn't about it, it's his crudge. Yeah, crudgy or something. Yeah, exactly, crudgy. How is Jumbo? How is how is Jumbo a two? And that's a two. My discretion, because I was feeling sorry for Archie. Because <laughs> he has a hard job, and he's, he's going to have to edit this. I'm actually not tonight. I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm doing, doing the edit. Cheers, boys. Okay. It, it, um, this, this is the last round, Mark. Is it? Um, I think Chris is already unassailable. So I'll go three anyway. Shooting for silver. Okay. The ox in the box. The ox in the box. What's the era? Give me the era. Well, if I give you the era, you'll get it. Um, he also played for Fulham. Oh, yeah. Bristol Rovers. Leicester. Uh, Maidenhead. Is it Adrian Littlejohn? No. Alex? Barry Hales. Barry Hales. Oh, Barry. Oh, okay. Sir Barrington oh. of Hales. Mm. Was he the ox in the box, was he? Yeah, it was to me. The ox in the box. <laughs> 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 okay, who wants a one-pointer? Go on, Mark. Give us one more and then we'll all... Uh... Okay. Whose nickname was lives. the Manchester Messi? The Manchester Messi. Easy, got it. This is the Alex. Man- this is Alex. Yeah. Oh, that's embarrassing. Come on. The Manchester Messi. He got. He's got promotions, relegations, two promotions, one relegation, and a CV with our goal. Oh, for crying out loud. Um. <sighs> name's completely gone. I know what you mean Stockport. Yep. Um. Mm. Bolton. Fleetwood. Fleetwood begins with an S. I can't think of his bloody name. He's Sorry. got another nickname you probably know him by. Sars. Sarsovic, oh, sorry. I don't know why I couldn't think of that, yeah. I mean, that's, you just get his name, nickname there was just his name, so thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I was wanting to uh, draw the quiz to a polite uh, close, but that if we draw it to a close now, we can do it next year, if we're still going, of course. Something to look forward to. Well, we could probably do this quiz again, because I don't think anybody's going to have got to this point in the pod so we could do the to be honest we could probably do the same quiz every week and nobody would notice <laughs> um before we wrap things up we forgot predictions last time we forgot predictions i got lost so we can't do it again um qpr and rotherham chris one one two nil all right tom uh, one nil at Loftus Road, Whitaker, uh, hitting the uh, long distance shot with a load of Swaz for the three points. Swaz.co.uk. And uh, Rotherham, uh, Dickie Dandel, 3 1, and a hat trick for Ryan Hardy. Mark? Well, I'm going to use some reverse logic on this. I think we'll lose to QPR 2 0. <gasps> And we're going to draw with Rotherham. This is only, though, reverse vibes mentality. I've got to try something different. Things are getting critical. Alex? Um, 2-2 QPR, 4-1, after going 1-0 down against Rotherham. Oh, hang on, Alex. Didn't you say your dad was going to QPR? He's got, yeah, he's got a terrible record. He's got a terrible record. Even when we're doing well, he always manages to go to the few games we lose. So he's going. So, uh, yeah, watch out. 
sorry in advance, everybody. Uh, I think QPR will be nil-nil. And then Rotherham. I'm going for one nil. It's going to be an horrible game. Rotherham, isn't it? Crikey. Speaking of, selfishly, I'm going to be there. I can't wait. I haven't seen our girl since Cambridge at home. Can't wait to be there. Um, I'm in the Mayflower. Cups of tea and walking sticks. All right, guys. Thanks. Thanks for your time. Mark, thanks for the quiz. And thank you all for listening. Here's hoping we get something good at QPR.